Yankee Tree Service, call them today, 401-439-6028. The tree trimming experts from Lincoln, you can always find them online, yankeetreeservice.com. Tree removal since 2006, 24-7 emergency service available. It's Yankee Tree. Folks, I've dealt with them for years. Tree removal, stump grinding, tree pruning, also emergency service, and bucket truck service you can depend on on Yankee Tree Service. Call them today. Get a free quote, 401-439-6028. And remember, with Yankee Tree Service, they have the licensed arbitrist. They'll come out and they'll explain which tree maybe you want to get removed, maybe what tree you don't want to get removed. Tree pruning, also one of the best things you can do for your property and for your trees. It's Yankee Tree Service. Call them today. The tree trimming experts based out of Lincoln. Call them at 401-439-6028. Yankee Tree Service, 401-439-6028. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, dipietro.com. Well, this is certainly a story to watch. Jamestown Board asked police to investigate nominating signatures submitted for Matos. This is a sitting lieutenant governor, Sabina Matos, handpicked by Governor McKee, running for Congress once that CD1 seat that Cicilline left. And now the Jamestown Board of Canvassers asked the police to investigate nomination signatures, including the names of dead people submitted on behalf of Lieutenant Governor Sabina Matos. Boston Globe, Rhode Island, obtained a copy of Matos' nomination sheet containing 17 signatures. Board of Canvas members Ken Newman confirmed the signatures include the names of four or five dead people, in addition to people who are alive but that say they never signed the document. For example, the document includes signatures of Gladys and Fred Gieb, Listed residents, same address in Jamestown. Obituary show, Gladys died June 2012, uh, and her husband, Fred, died in March of 2002. Those people are dead. One's been dead for 21 years. Newman says, I knew some of the people on the list who had moved away no longer registered in Jamestown. Only three or four people of the 17 are still registered Jamestown voters canvassing clerk contacted people on the list to determine none of them actually signed the document now this is serious and as i said some people don't get this there are people that want that seat she in fact is the sitting lieutenant governor involved in this so this is a story i believe this has legs and i think this also this is an easy to understand political situation it's also an investigation and legal problem here because that's a felony for what has been committed again i'm not saying anyone's going to jail but this is this is not a newcomer this is the sitting lieutenant governor number two person in the state and running for congressional seat and her people handing in fraudulent signatures not someone you know, not someone who just recently moved away or anything remotely close like that. No. Handing in signatures of people who are deceased. So I'm telling you this is a huge problem for the Matos campaign. I don't think she should not remain in the race. I'm not convinced she should remain as lieutenant governor. But there's a lot to go here. Um, in a, uh, And what I mean by that is... There's a lot more to learn regarding some of the signatures for her campaign in other districts. This is all about a matter of trying to get on the ballot. I think this also calls into question what signatures did she submit for just this past election cycle, you know, one year ago when she won the Democrat primary and what signatures were submitted. So Channel 12 has done a good job. I want to play. This is some of the audio from uh, WPRI regarding this 
story, and, and it's a good one. Police, David Cicilline, the Jamestown Board of Canvassers found several discrepancies with voters' names and signatures on a form that was submitted to them. The canvassing clerk filed a report with the police department saying the fraudulent signatures were submitted on behalf of the campaign of Lieutenant Governor Sabina Matos. Officials say the signatures were submitted to town hall by a supporter. Matos's campaign manager told Target 12 that he was unaware of an investigation, but confirmed the person whose name is on the nomination papers as gathering the signatures is a, quote, campaign supporter. The Congressional District 1 primary is scheduled for September 5th, and the general election will be held on November 7th. Now, he's much more at 7 England than a campaign supporter. He's been the spokesperson for the campaign, so already out of the box, they're not being completely truthful about what happened here. And you also have the ability to go through and check out some of the other signatures. So for the Matos campaign to say, you know, we hold our staff high ethical standards, no one, no one believes that. And I'm glad that some of the people running against her are starting to pounce on it. A big question would be if more of signatures of her campaign are tossed out, could she actually then not qualify for the ballot? That's what needs to be looked at. But let's just step back for a moment. This isn't some newcomer on the scene. This is the sitting lieutenant governor. This goes beyond sloppy. This is irresponsible. I think there's a pattern in practice of many times in situations like this. It's not the first time that they've ever done it it's just the first time they've ever got caught doing it and i think she's a good example of that now i don't think i think this will lead to more questionable signatures look at the process they're used to hey you just hand it in and no one looks at it and who cares that you're handing in dead people this is so disgraceful and it's insulting and it ruins the integrity of our elections it ruins the integrity of the state. It ruins the integrity of the office. That is someone she does not belong. She's unqualified to be the lieutenant governor, certainly not qualified for Congress. I think this has a long way to go. Folks, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. At Med Urgent Care, walk-in urgent care center, all your medical needs, they're open seven days a week, doctors and nurses, two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue in Johnston, that's right in the Atwood Medical Center, 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich, right across from Felicia's. Again, they're open seven days a week at Med Urgent Care. When you need urgent care without the wait now, when I've been in that situation and I needed urgent care, that's where I went. If you want to go to an emergency room and have a long wait, well, you're free to do that. Otherwise, do what I did. Go to At Med Urgent Care. Whether it's work-related, maybe someone's not feeling well, someone needs stitches, whatever it may be, At Med Urgent Care, comprehensive outpatient urgent care facility. There's two locations, one near you, Johnston, right in the Atwood Medical Center, and also 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich. That's right across from Felicia's. When you need, and I need urgent care, you want AtMed Urgent Care. Again, two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue in Johnson and the Atwood Medical Center and 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich. Seven days a week, doctors and nurses, AtMed Urgent Care. You are listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, Petro.com. It's time for our segment, Politics This Week. Joining us, he's the managing editor, AnchorRising.com. It is Justin Katz. And Justin, I just want to start off with, I mean, I, I just think with the literally millions and hundreds of millions and billions the state has spent, and as you and I have talked about, especially Governor McKee was the wrong person to have at the helm as all this COVID money was coming in, throwing it around to state employees, millions here, millions there, $40 million more than that, and bonuses, blah, blah, blah. And um, just the amount and the condition of the state with the flooding of these roads. Now, granted, we, you know, okay, you get an inch of rain, two inches of rain, but still, it is, uh, it, it is incredible, Justin, how poorly our roads still are and the amount of, it's third world uh, when, we, when the state experiences some element of rain. Well, yeah, I mean, we're, we're the ocean state. You'd think we'd be able to handle 
uh, a little bit of water come flowing through. I mean, this is, you know, the, the amazing thing about it is the, the degree to which it, it all just serves this kind of climate hysteria. Yes. Um, and it's really, I find it really instructive. It's almost like an excuse. Um, I, one of the local progressives during the last rainstorm was showing pictures, I think from Vermont, where there's water flooding on a, on a mountainside road. And, and to me, that's an obvious infrastructure design problem. You've got a road on a mountain that can't shed water. That's not because of climate change, you didn't drink, and you've got something very similar here. I mean, uh, the the idea that when it rains a lot, um, water will build up. I mean, that's somewhere something is causing it from draining or, or not allowing us to to remove it. I mean, we've had aqueducts since the Roman Empire. There's no reason this shouldn't be taken care of. But with the climate change narrative, it serves them to make it sound like this is just weather. There's nothing they can do because they get they get a double double hit on that and they get to say well look it's climate change give us more power let us give our union friends job and clean energy and all that and also hey it's not our fault the infrastructure isn't isn't working i mean we've all seen by now on social media these pictures of of the state workers out on the highway trying to clear drains and you know one person is clearing a drain two are sitting there watching them this is all stuff that can be handled it's not as if there's a mystery to building a, a kind of a water proof locality we we can do these things but the we we don't spend the money wisely and we for, we force ourselves to pay probably three or more times what infrastructure ought to cost by all our ridiculous labor policies you know that's exactly right justin it is interesting how they now just try to argue that uh try to argue their political agenda but it, you know all of that there are certain spots as well i i, I for the life of me i don't understand why you know, as you mentioned, you know, then you see the state workers out there clearing the drains. That should be part of, of, of regular maintenance. It shouldn't take that. Or you know the storm is coming. When they're going to uh, – when the flood is coming. When, when they know that there's going to be a lot of snow, they, you know, pre-salt and pre-treat the roads. I, I don't understand where's the delay in, in getting that type of preparation when we're experiencing heavy rain. It's not like it just sneaks up on us. You know, you know it's coming at least – seemingly 24 to 36 hours ahead. I also want to get your thoughts on, there was a piece I sent to you, um, flee Rhode Island as soon as possible. And we'll talk about the, um, the, the latest business rankings and where the state is, um, is ranked. But I, I just think, Justin, that type of headline, as much as some people shrug it off, you know, you think of this. You don't see that with states that are successful and being well, uh, well run. Right. I mean, that's whether or not the headline is fair. It doesn't it doesn't much matter. The headline is out there. Right. <laughs> I mean, and you need to. That's the story about Rhode Island. I mean, and I, I think the headline is fair and people have been proving it for 20 years. They're fleeing the state and it, it affects everything we do from taxes to economy to education. People are leaving because of these these sorts of rankings. They're not they're not just arbitrary. Let's get Rhode Island. It, I mean, that comes from uh, Wall Street. 24-7, I think it's called, who, who their business model seems to be to, to come up with indexes and run them for all the states and then get headlines for them all. And so they're not, they've got nothing against Rhode Island. They're just creating what they think is a is a reasonable comparison of states. And people do look at these things because when you're making decisions, whether it's a family or a business or whatever, you do look at, well, what's my impression of places and how is it ranked? You, you know, people there are multiple of these rankings, and frankly, in some ways, I think this this one in particular, uh, well, the, based on the CNBC one, is takes a bit of uh, is friendlier to Rhode Island than it ought to be because it, for education, for example, it takes into account things like how much you're spending, which isn't a reflection of how well students are learning, but. Even so, people take these things seriously, and you can't have these headlines out there. You need to combat them, and yet there's no. I mean, at least in prior, it, the, the thing that's strange this time around is these. We get these rankings every every year, every couple of years, depending some of them. And in the past, it's become a big thing. I mean, in in the, the zeros uh, or around 2010 ish, 
this the state legislature was actually conducting special hearings and, and events to talk about these rankings and what can right. we do about this now it's like nothing oh well whatever nobody's even paying attention and that to me is is distressing and it because because it shows nobody is holding the politicians feet to the fire which suggests that they're they're bought off they do not have to care they are completely disconnected from the lives of, of actual Rhode Islanders and as soon as I, I have a feeling as soon as the COVID money you mentioned as soon as that's gone we're we're in for some big big trouble because there's there's nowhere for the state to go we were we were like a like a, a profligate person who was already burning through all their money got a windfall and now hard times have come and the windfall is going to be gone soon that's where we're going to be uh, so I, I think these conversations are going to be forced on us whether the politicians like it or not now, Justin also on that list and folks it's uh, business friendly states top of the list it's also a fluid list North Carolina now is vaulted to number one. Uh, the Carolinas, good place to do business. It's business-friendly states, the way they're ranked by CNBC. Rhode Island falls 45. You have to look at the geography, the states behind us, Hawaii, Alaska, obviously very difficult to do business just uh, on the, you know, the, the sheer um, you know, logistics of trying to get goods in and out. And then you have places like Louisiana and Mississippi. But, Justin, I think what's so alarming here is I, Massachusetts is 15th of the nation. And Connecticut, I think, is right around 30th. That's the part to me that should jump out. It's the neighboring states. You know, they can't just point to the Northeast. It's the two states that surround us that are considered far more favorably to do business. Yeah, well, that's that's we're we're always last in southern new england and last often in new england and last or down in the country i mean think about you think about the pride of the local you know kind of snobby northeastern progressives i mean we're we're just a step above west virginia you know we're like three steps above mississippi i mean that's that's rhode island's peer states not massachusetts right. not no. connecticut the southern states that people around here tend to mock and if you look at it kind of like i i but what these companies do, the CMBSC does, is they, they find a bunch of measures, objective numbers, or relatively objective, and put them into an index and weight them as they think, and then they come up with different categories. And it, you can look into it and see where we're actually doing poorly. I mean, we're, it's infrastructure, it's economy, it's yeah. the cost of doing business, and education. These are all areas where Rhode Island is bottom 10. That's the that there's no reason for that. We're in such a good location, uh, not only surrounded by Massachusetts and Connecticut, right on the water, northeast between Boston and New York. We've got history. We've got uh, a lot of heritage, a lot of great resources. Yet we we can't seem to break out of the bottom five or six of these these kind of rankings, and it's it has to do with bad governance. I mean, we were just talking yeah. about the flooding and infrastructure. When you you can you almost I can sort of sympathize. When I was on the town council in Tiverton, we talked about the the aqueducts and they needed to be cleared. Well, why aren't they? Well, you know, you've got to have five people on every job, so you can't you can't have just one person whose job it is to drive around and clear drains, and because you need the the contracts, the union requirements make it so impossible to do intelligent management. So that's one reason. And the other reason we just spend so much money on other things. We say, hey, we'll fix your roads. People get elected on that. And then they go and spend the money on other things. The, and the roads don't get fixed because it, it pays for them to be bad because people vote in the government. Oh, we need government to fix the roads. That we're in a real problem with Rhode Island. And other indexes we've seen recently, things like um, we've got one of the worst drops in children under five. Young families are not living here. They're not staying here. They're leaving. This is exactly why. You cannot advance in this state. And it's a big, big problem. But there doesn't seem to be anybody holding the government's feet to the fire on it. Folks, quick break. Watch where I had politics this week. Justin Katz, managing editor, anchorising.com, right here on the John DePietro Show. The Coesed Inn, 226 Coesed Avenue, West Warwick. Delicious food and drink. They have a great bar area, always a dependable menu. Whether you're going to eat there or take out, a delicious meal is waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. Look for them online. You can also find them on Facebook. Whether it's lunch, dinner, or drinks in the lounge, always a good time at the Coesed Inn, 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick. Remember to follow The John DePietro Show on YouTube 
It's John DePietro Show on YouTube. Subscribe, which means you get notified whenever we post new videos. You find original content, video you can't find anywhere else. Subscribe today. It's free. It's the YouTube channel of The John DePietro Show. Our segment is Politics This Week. With us is Justin Katz, Managing Editor, AnchorRising.com. Now, Justin, as far as the CD1 race, we're getting a sense of who got their signatures in. I'm curious, though, to hear uh, your reaction to its official Labor's International Union of North America, the biggest, is the now endorsing Sabina Matos for lieutenant governor. This is the group they got went all in on the McKee Matos team. Uh, he promised them we'll build the soccer stadium. They promised we'll uh, $200 million for the Superman building. At one point, the Bain Tower was in play. And now uh, they've decided they're they're going with the Matos campaign for Congress. Yeah, I mean, the, it, it's it's an indication of the how how much our government is bought. I mean, we're we're in a very dangerous position where where this endorsement means so much to politics because basically you're talking about uh, a special interest that wants things from the government. And I mean, if you if it were I don't know the NRA or or some some other organization the the progressives around here would, would have no trouble seeing it, but they're on they're on board with with labor unions, uh, electing people to serve them. And it, it, Matos and McKee are part of. They've been running as a ticket. They're part of the group that says, "Yeah, you, you give us money, and and you'll get your way." I mean, that's really what it comes down to, and it's 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 such a shame because now now she'll get the she'll get the advantage of the the donations and the the people. You know, on the ground working for her and the, oh, the yeah. mail ballot harvesting and yeah. the, and and for what? So she'll go to Congress and and give the unions everything they want. I mean, there's there's an inherent corruption to the relationship between a Democrat Party and and labor unions, especially yeah. in Rhode Island. And it, it's I don't know, it's uh, it's a it's a tough thing to overcome. It's interesting how they are choosing her. Um, I think they realized they had success manipulating her and Governor McKee. So why not just kind of stay on the horse that you rode in? Now, Justin, also, um, we had a little bit of a minor controversy, but your thoughts, I think there's more to it as well that either no one wanted to talk about or the media didn't get into. But it has to do with this Top Golf. It's a huge operation. Uh, it's all around the country. It, the, the building is $40 million of its private money. You and I talked about Crowley and the company. They were all picketing outside there they had the big fat pig and all this other stuff because they were using private contractors um but they initially were going to call it providence golf and then uh, providence top golf and then mayor hopkins jumped in and said basically i i have a problem that this thing is going to be right across from garden city in chapel view where citizens bank complex was and uh and either make it cranston top golf or make it rhode island top golf and the company did change. I think what's, I want to hear your thoughts on that, but I think what's also missed a little bit um, is I hear the term, uh, I'll, and I'll just be candid about it, but I'll have, a, the word Providence is now a negative. Sorry. And I think it's more about that as opposed to, you know, city territorial. I, I'll have restaurant owners that will say we had a little bit of a Providence crowd came in last night. Uh, sometimes the police in different places will say, well, you know, we had a little bit of the Providence crowd come down. I, I think the image of unruly uh, behavior, everything that you and I had talked about 2020, I, I, I think they almost view it as, uh, I'm not sure, you know, people don't want to go on Federal Hill anymore, go out in Providence. I, I think Providence is kind of become synonymous with problematic and problematic crowd but i want to hear your thoughts on it because i i think uh only republican mayor in the in the, the state but i think mayor hopkins handled it fairly well well i i i i, I get the uh the comment you make about you know the, the providence crowd and yeah. uh and you do see that from time to time where where the the mayors of the surrounding cities will, will be sure to say, no, 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 that stops at their line. It's not right here. Right. On the other hand, I mean, this kind of thing, it, it, it feels kind of petty. I mean, you, you're in Rhode Island. Providence is the capital. Uh, it's not. And, and so if you're near the capital city in one of the larger cities in the, in the region, it's not, uh, you know, OK, it's Cranston. Big deal. Um, I, I do worry that, you know, this 
this idea that the mayor of the town is saying, I don't like your business name. <laughs> that, that doesn't, that doesn't sit very okay. well with me. Just the idea yeah. that, you know, it, it just, all right, whatever. I mean, it's, it's called go, top golf Providence. I mean, I don't, I don't, the idea that there would be some kind of a, a pressure from the mayor, I, I think that's, Thanks. that's going a little bit too, too far in my book, but I, I do understand that it is telling the desire uh, to, to, differentiate yourself from Providence, but I think there are probably better ways a, a, a city government could do that. And I think, you know, you, you are right. And we, we see it some, sometimes the Patriots be on Monday Night Football and then, you know, coming out of the commercial, they'll show the skyline of Boston where we all know, you know, Foxborough is so much closer to Providence, but it gives people the impression that they're, they're playing right near Boston. I, I think the top golf Dallas is, is actually not in Dallas. It's in a suburb you know, close to Dallas, but it's just like a, a mind thing. But I, I think it has more to do with that. They would not be aware of, but let's just say if someone was called at central falls brewery, um, that certainly has a different ring to it than say, if it was Cumberland brewery, or if it was, you know, I, I, that's what I think is a play simply because whether it be, as you say, the mayor Johnson, mayor North Providence, um, anyone that surrounds Providence, sometimes they can be kind of outspoken that it's it's problematic when, quote, the Providence crowd um, comes in. So mm. but I understand what you're saying, where, you know, what are they what are they supposed to do then if they're not going to switch it? I'm also curious, um, Justin. So that right now there is a, a lawsuit over this whole business of, you know, shore access, shoreline access. And God, it's, it seems to be the only thing the Providence Journal writes about anymore. Uh, but now, instead of a high tide line, it's 10 feet above that. And you have these people specifically, apparently in Charlestown, where they go exactly where there are people who their property is right on the water and goes down to the water. And that's the spot they want to pick on to sit on. And it's gotten so bad that a security company who was trying to work with some of these beachfront property owners, they no longer want to be in the midst of this, this whole battle between those that want to be able to lay their towel down in front of someone's house, as opposed to, you know, just finding like the public beach or somewhere else uh, to, to go to the beach. Yeah. I mean, it, well, the, it does show the, it, it's kind of a, a, in some ways a silly story, but it, it does show the danger of, of the turn towards socialism in a social media era yeah. i mean that's because really what what's happened is these the activists um i think his name scott keely who i think initially pushed this idea with this exact same spot and he went back to a spot he was initially a few years ago accosted by a, a private security detail uh he went back there and said let me provoke these folks and see if i get away with it and then what do you do you go to social media you make it a a, a the summer interest story that catches some national waves. And then you've got the, the security company saying, yeah, we, we don't really want to be involved with this. It's making us look bad that we're in for our client wants us to do this particular job. And that's, that's uh, it's, it's, it's not, it's not as benign as it sounds, just giving people access to the water. I mean, you're literally with the passage of this law, they, they literally took away exclusive uh, use of, of 10 feet of people's property yeah. and you can like that or not but they could do it anywhere there's some woods behind my house if they put a park back there they go oh well we need 10 more feet of, of property so let's just anybody off the off the woods you lose 10 feet of your property i mean think about that and a lot of these shorefront properties i don't know about this particular one apparently it's a, it sounds like it's the first property in south kingstown off the charlestown beach but um, i don't know how large it is but a lot of those beachfront properties are not huge <laughs> 10 feet off the front off one side of your property is kind of a big deal some of them the beach practically is their backyard so the idea that the government can just take that away and where it, it's controversial to try to try to enforce a, a, the property line i think that's that's a dangerous situation and uh, i think the the idea of these activists who, who are taking this kind of glee all right i'm going to go back to this spot i'm going to set yeah. up and uh, you know who knows they set up a little tent here i'm going to make it clear that i'm i'm not just passing through i'm settling in on your property yep. that's here for uh, the day yeah exactly the idea that the government can just just do that and take that away i it it really ought to make people uncomfortable well we don't get any of that conversation it becomes all this this oh look at the rich beachfront people trying to keep yeah. out the public from their access their god-given access to the water you know mm -hmm. that's it just becomes so ridiculous but they 
it feels like a test run. It feels like if they can yeah. do this, you just lose you just lose your property. It's it's a property taking. It really is. And I hope the lawsuit succeeds because it's it's egregious. The government needs to be slapped down on this one. Now, Justin, also uh, in regards to State Senator Josh Miller, who's going to be in court uh, this week and then also got another charge added. But uh, I, I'd like to know your thoughts and reaction on the candidates, uh, Democrats in the race that won't even comment on it. And even the Senate president won't comment. What's comical to me is these people comment on everything and they never hesitated to comment on anything. This guy, not only, you know, did he seemingly was lying obstruction to a police officer, but he he keyed a 20 year old's car simply because it had a Biden suck sticker on it. And these people running for office and trying to say, oh, you know, that's that's really none of my business up to the constituents. And another one said, well, that really doesn't have to do with our campaign. So we're just not going to comment on it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you, you contrast it, as, as you and I both know, and we've, we've talked about with Republicans. I mean, we recently we talked about a Republican who didn't want the media at one of his announcements. And because right. you know, they roll out the questions, what do you think of Donald Trump? What do you think of fascists? What do you think of Proud Boy? You know, those they, they've got a comment. And in this case, I don't know, I come back to my very first question with, with this is, what what would he have to do? If he if he punched the kid, would that be enough to say, yeah, yeah. I'm going to comment and say that was wrong? I mean, how hard is it to say elected officials should not be keying people's cars? <laughs> Period. I mean, right. you, could th- you could then say it's up to his constituents whether they want him to leave or not. Okay, but how hard is it to say this is not and you can't escape the feeling that they don't want to say it, not just because he remains, I guess, an influential person at the state house, but uh, but they they agree with it. They think this is the punch a Nazi crowd. I think, you know, these are the people who say, you know what, if if I don't like what you've got on your car, I should be able to key it because you're wrong and you have no rights if you disagree with me. I mean, that's the underlying theme that bothers me here. And the idea that that the media wouldn't kind of enforce that on the Democrats, I think is, is telling. I mean, you get, you get major headlines when somebody puts a flyer somewhere supposedly recruiting for some kind of white nationalist group, an anonymous flyer, one or three found somewhere that's news. Mayors, the mayors of the mayor of Providence will have a, have a press conference to talk about how hate does not belong here. Um, But keying somebody's car. So it's, it's a, we're in a very bad situation where I, I think the these candidates themselves was it uh, Sandra Cano and Anna Quesada yeah. they 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 basically disqualify themselves or they ought to because they don't have any respect for the idea that you're elected you'll be representing people you don't agree with I mean that's the job you yeah. can push your policies but but and if you have that attitude which they clearly don't then you don't want people keying their cars. Even though you know that it has nothing to do with your campaign, I mean, it's just it's just so obvious, and people used to know that. And Justin, finally, the Channel Ten headline is almost comical: free tuition program costs Rhode Island taxpayers twelve million. It's you and I have talked about this. There's nothing free about taxpayer-funded tuition program. Just look at the headline alone. What? What? There's no such thing as a free lunch. There's no such thing as free tuition. That costs twelve million. Who? Who knows? Uh, what what all that really does is it just goes into the state worker pipeline, which is essentially now why they have Rhode Island College there, just for all the state workers that have jobs there. But th- there's nothing free about a program that costs $12 million. No, certainly not. And I mean, at least Channel 10 was looking at the cost. That's somebody, it's good that somebody's True. looking into that. But the it, the indication is, to me, is the, the way the state's going completely about these sorts of things in the wrong way. It is, as you say, it's a government handout for a, a state agency. It's also a vote buying uh, gimme to say, look, we, we give kids free tuition. But it's, it's completely the wrong approach to things. We, we give, I mean, one thing that was interesting in that article was they talked about how many students might leave. I mean, at least they raised that possibility. And that is the real issue here. We spend a lot of money on education in Rhode Island, yet we give the kids no no opportunity when they graduate and so many of them will leave and and improve other states with the education that we subsidized for them that's the problem we need to focus on the economy and not in in creating opportunity with allowing say independent contractors not scaring every business off with with over heavy-handed union organization mandates i mean that's where we should focus not 
giving money to students. And, you know, I think a lot of these, I mean, I certainly had the experience when I graduated from the University of Rhode Island, I couldn't find jobs in my to the, in my degree area in this in this area, so I, I went into carpentry, which I loved, and I did that for a while. But when you hear these statistics, like oh, you know, sixty percent of them stay in the state. Okay, maybe, but what are they doing? Did they find right. jobs with their degrees? And if not, then then we just paid for them to take it easy for a couple of years, potentially, to get a degree they're not using. And that's that's the, the conversation on this could be so much more elevated than it is. Folks, again, he's the managing editor at AnchorRising.com, our segment politics this week. He's Justin Katz. Justin, excellent job as always, and we'll talk to you again. Thank you, John. I'll talk to you soon. Propane Plus. Call them today. Heating and cooling in Rhode Island, 401-885-4209 in Massachusetts, 508-252-3359 for Propane Plus. Three generations you can always depend on Propane Plus for all your heating and cooling. Call them today, 401 401- 885-4209. Three generations, they're available 24-7 for service and delivery, and they're going to serve you for a very long time. They have a great user-friendly website. You just log on at propaneplus.com, and then you type in your zip code, residential or commercial, Propane Plus, heating and cooling, always there for you. Give them a call today in Rhode Island, 401-885-4209. In Massachusetts, 508 508- 252-3359, the Johnson family, three generations, heating and cooling. You can always depend on Propane Plus. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Remember, you can always listen online at the website, dipietro.com. What is going on with the DeSantis campaign? Well, they are certainly not living up to expectations, and they're starting. They've cut staff. All of a sudden, they burned through a lot of money. Um, I think the whole strategy that he employed, where he would not do what they considered mainstream media interviews, I think that was a mistake. I think also he's doing too much to try to, um, you know, kind of just say, like, I'm better than the president, meaning President Trump. And instead, just, I think, just make your own case uh, for why you should be considered. So, but let's hear. Here is um, the latest with uh, ABC. He's struggling to get on track, cutting staff. His new numbers show his campaign is burning through cash. Rachel Scott is tracking the race. Good morning, Rachel. George, good morning to you. And those new campaign numbers showing early warning signs for Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Just weeks into his campaign, now faced with the reality that he's burning through too much cash too quickly, already slashing staff. This morning, campaign shakeup. With just over a month to go until the first GOP debate, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis cutting staff and shifting his strategy. We have got to get the job done. Sources tell ABC News the campaign let go of roughly a dozen staffers and is now focusing on those critical early states, holding off investments in other battlegrounds. It comes as new finance reports showed the DeSantis campaign burned through nearly $8 million in just six weeks. One of his major expenses, private air travel. But money is not the only problem for DeSantis. The governor, who has long been seen as Donald Trump's biggest Republican rival, is still trailing him in the polls. We obviously are going to do a lot more work and and get a lot more done. Trump reported the most cash on hand. The former president feeling so confident about his lead, he says he may even skip the first debate. Why would you let somebody that's at zero or one or two or three you don't be popping you with questions. His rivals taking aim. I'm happy to say right now, come on, Donald, get on the stage and defend your record. Candidates need 40,000 individual donors to make that debate stage. And these new numbers reveal that former Vice President Mike Pence and former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson are struggling to meet that threshold. Now, as for the DeSantis campaign, sources tell me that more changes are expected soon and the Florida governor will be resetting his media strategy. Robin. I don't um, um, I don't I don't see why why would President Trump get involved I don't why would he get involved in the debate when all he could do is go down and someone else could, I don't I just mean early on until they thin out the field now this is uh, News Nation did a piece on the DeSantis thing as well from the major GOP contenders news that Governor DeSantis 
is now cutting staff as his campaign is losing steam in his bid for the nomination. And he raked in a lot of money from large donors early on in the race, uh, but he is burning through that fast. And with his numbers lagging in the polls, the tables have turned for the man that many consider to be the only contender for former President Trump. White House correspondent Allison Harris has reaction from the DeSantis campaign. Um, so Allison, what are they saying? Good morning, Marky. Good morning to you, Adrian. This morning, the DeSantis campaign is defending the candidate amid that negative narrative that's surrounding the Republican 2024 contender. His campaign is telling us, quote, Americans are rallying behind Ron DeSantis and his plan to reverse Joe Biden's failures and restore sanity to our nation. And his momentum will only continue as voters see more of him in person, especially in Iowa. We are building a movement to go the distance. An analysis of campaign finance disclosures shows the Florida governor raised more than $20 million in his first six weeks, but his campaign has already spent about 40% of that money. The DeSantis campaign boasts that his fundraising rivals the former president's, but one report states that the campaign now only has about $9 million left for the primaries. And DeSantis's team is now shedding some of its 92 staff members, including less than 10 who are event planners, perhaps, to cut costs. Besides the group that was fired, two other key DeSantis advisors have left the campaign to work for private groups who are supporting DeSantis. DeSantis is still trailing behind the former president in the polls by double digits in national polls and some key state polls. Now, all of this uh, means that DeSantis is expected to face hard questions about the state of his campaign when he meets privately with donors in the coming weeks. Now, meanwhile, President Biden's fundraising numbers are more than double that of former President Trump and also any other candidates. Biden's reelection campaign has already raised $72 million in the second quarter, but his favorability, his approval rating, it continues to stay in the low 40s. Listen, none, none of this, he, he, he should stop wasting his money. President Trump has the lead. Uh, nothing, no dynamic is going to change until President Trump starts to get on the debate stage. Right now, I believe it's all name recognition. So I wouldn't even worry about Biden. Biden's got his own problems. The question is, who's going to be the Republican nominee? So the race is slowly taking shape. And I think it's going to be interesting if Pence, who's one of the first ones out there, if he can't even reach the threshold, which is very likely, by the way. And I'm not surprised at that. I, I don't. I don't think he's, you know, I know people don't like the whole expression whether or not they have a lane, but I don't think he's got a lane. I don't think so. Right now, President Trump is beyond the front runner, um, looking for a reason to make it actually a race. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. Get your driveway paved. J. Perry Paving. Letter J. J. Perry Paving. High quality fair pricing, exceptional service, over 25 years experience, specialized commercial paving, residential paving, seal coating. Call for a free estimate today, 401-732-1730. J. Perry Paving. Hey, learn about the benefits of asphalt paving, whether it's a brand new paving project or a cracked driveway. It's affordable, smooth, safe to drive on, aesthetically appealing, Asphalt can be recycled, reused. J. Perry Paving, a licensed and insured contracting company committed to meeting your needs. No matter how big, how small, contact them today for a free quote, 401-732-1730. What a difference it makes for your driveway, for your business, parking lot. J, letter J, J. Perry Paving, 401-732-1730 online at jperrypaving.com and look for them on Facebook. Remember to log on to depetro.com. We have original stories, original videos, also links to Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. Plus, you can get some great merchandise in the shop. Log on depetro.com. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, dePietro.com. So Governor McKee, folks, th if this is not an example of the pay-to-play atmosphere, this whole charade, 
with the Cranston Street Armory, as the as Governor McKee is now trying to pull the plug on, and seemingly has, you know, you got to wonder what had happened if those people from Philadelphia had actually shown up with the amount of money that the McKee people were looking for. But they did not. They showed up at now that infamous uh, Capitol Grill lunch. The whole thing is so tawdry um, and sleazy. But after months of controversy, Governor McKee canceling a state contract with the developer, leading an effort to rehabilitate the vacant street, Cranston Street Armory. Listen, turn it into low-income housing. Put some, uh, up, get a giant apartment building in there. All right, this is um, the Channel 12 piece on it. Theaters, Governor Dan McKee canceling a multi-million dollar state contract with a company leading an effort to redevelop the vacant Cranston Street Armory. Thank you for joining us. I'm Mike Fontecovo. And I'm Shannon Heggie. This comes after a state-hired consultant found the plan would be a money loser for taxpayers. But McKee's decision also comes on the heels of a bizarre business trip by two-stop top state officials that made national news. Target 12 investigator Alexandra Leslie joins us now live in Providence where the governor wrapped up a news conference just a short time ago. Alex? Well, in the report provided by consulting firm JLL, it showed that the proposed plan to rehab the historic building would mean the state would lose a minimum of $10.5 million over a 15-year period. Governor Dan McKee said it was clear that the proposal was too much of a risk for Rhode Island taxpayers. A consulting firm tasked with evaluating a proposal to redevelop the Cranston Street Armory says, quote, the project as currently proposed does not appear to be in the best interest of the state taxpayers. It's something Governor McKee has said publicly for weeks prior to the release of the report. So there were many things about the proposal that I instinctively uh, felt as though needed to have uh, verified. Governor McKee says when his administration reviewed the report, it became clear that the numbers for the proposal put too much risk on the state and not enough on other sources. McKee says that's in part because developer Scout LTD's fees and operating expenses are higher than the industry standard. While the state is being asked to invest at a minimum of $60.9 million in taxpayer funds to make the project viable, the developer is vesting $0 in the project which I was never comfortable with. Consulting firm JLL says its analysis of the cost to the state over 15 years for the adaptive reuse of the armory is nearly $61 million, but the potential revenue is only about $50 million. JLL also said the current proposal would require the state to accept the responsibility for all development, operational, and leasing costs. Again, that's totally on the state uh, in, in ways that uh, I don't believe that, we, that the state should take that risk, the taxpayers should take that risk. As Target 12 has been reporting, the state and developer Scout LTD have been embattled in controversy for months, stemming from a business trip two former state directors took in March. Scout called their behavior blatantly sexist, racist, and unprofessional. Reporters asked McKee if that was also a factor in canceling Scout's contract. You no, know, absolutely not. Of course it was. So what's next here? Governor Dan McKee says after a review, he feels that this is a community or city project and has had talks with the city of Providence about transferring ownership to them. I'll have new reaction from the Smiley administration coming up new at 6. With the Target 12 investigators, Alexandra Leslie, 12 News. Folks, listen, they need what they need in that space is they need housing. They need apartments. There, there, there is an apartment shortage. There are people, rents are way out of control, rents are way too high. Providence could use something like that. That's a, a pretty good piece of land. And a nice new structure could be right there. All this business of the redevelopment and you're going to have community stuff and everything, none of that stuff matters if people don't have enough places to live. You need, place, you, you need housing is what the city needs. New housing. New housing. And maybe some of it's low income. And then maybe some of it's just whatever market rate. But you, you, that is the need. You know, you have to look at wants and needs, just like you do with children. There's a big difference of what someone, you know, wants and what they actually need. This is a good example of it. This has been a disaster for the McKee administration. This reinforces the pay to play. And and I, I understand he's upset the way the people in Philadelphia um, 
how they reacted with this whole thing. No one's happy here. Those people are forced to hire this sleazy lobbyist, and then the thing was just falling apart. Cranston Street Army has been a problem for a very long time. Let Mayor Smiley deal with it. You know, it's actually not the worst idea for the, why is the state involved with something like that? Let the city be involved with it. I don't know who put together the deal with these people, with how much they were getting per month. How much also, I, I believe in the contract, that no one else would be able to develop if you went with this group. It sounds very bizarre, the deal that someone cut for them. So in this particular situation, and on top of that, the, this, this whole element of the people going down there and then the lunch at the Capitol Grill, I mean, the, the, it's, it's just it's a toxic relationship between the state and them. And, and the, the state not being involved, let the city handle it then. Something needs to be done. This is ridiculous how that building just sits there empty. There's a lot of needs. I would argue housing more and more. When rents are as high as they are, that's because there's lack of apartments that are available. So get some housing in there. Let people live there. And maybe that could help redevelop. A lot of new blood in there. A lot of new people moving into there. More people into the area, you know, that the more visibility, the more foot traffic should cut down on crime. Folks, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. AJ, drywall, plaster, home improvement. Call them today for a free quote. You can also find them on Facebook, 401-323-9252. 323-9252. AJ, drywall, plasters, home improvement, frame to finish basements. What a difference it'll make in your basement. Acoustic ceilings. Look how beautiful your ceiling could be. New homes, additions. Also, commercial rehabs, painting, remodeling contact them today it's a family-run business aj drywall plaster home improvements call for a free quote what a difference they'll make in your home your ceilings floors basements 401-323-9252 what a difference beautiful walls and ceilings 401-323-9252 you can also find them on facebook it's AJ Drywall Plaster and Home Improvements for your home or business. Make sure to find the John DePietro Show Facebook page and you can watch all the action on the scene live stream. Follow it all real time live stream. Just follow John DePietro Show right there on the Facebook page. Falcon Pest Services, when you have a pest problem, give them a call. Serving Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass, 401-739-1322. Falcon Pest Services, residential or commercial, whether it is for maybe you have some kind of a termite problem, bed bugs, ants, roaches. Listen, a mice problem. Mice can be problematic. Rats, mosquitoes, many other pests. Falcon Pest Services, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, all different types of programs, multifamily housing, condos, apartments, single-family homes, restaurants, office buildings, highly trained, experienced pest control technicians. Maybe it's once a year. Maybe it's a one-time treatment, monthly service, quarterly, or year-round protection. You can depend. Falcon Pest Services. Call them today for a free quote, 401 739 1322. Get your yard sprayed. Get rid of those mosquitoes. Falcon Pest Services. Call today, 401-739-1322. Falcon Pest Services. You can also find them on Facebook. Remember to follow the John DePietro Show on YouTube. It's John DePietro Show on YouTube. Subscribe, which means you get notified whenever we post new videos. You find original content, video you can't find anywhere else. Subscribe today. It's free. It's the YouTube channel of The John DePietro Show.